0: Guys, I can't tell you how super excited I am that you are joining us for the second week of this series. Have you heard? A shout out to those of you who are watching in San Jose. Come on and make some noise in San Jose. And a shout out to those of you who are watching across the country and across the world. I am so blessed that you guys are tuned in and a part of what God is doing uh, through this series as we move towards Christmas. Now, can you just simply repeat this after me? Have you heard? You are not alone. Say it again. Have you heard? You are not alone. I want to talk about that today as we look at the, the original Christmas story and experience through two different lenses. Beginning first with the Gospel of John chapter 1, just verse part of verse 14. We're picking up where we left off last week with this verse. You, you may recall it. Here's what the writer of John says. So the word became human, the word meaning Jesus, talking about the birth of Jesus, became human and made his home among us. And then here's what the gospel writer in Luke says, beginning at verse 26, describes this remarkable story that centers around Mary. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of the king, David. Now, Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord's with you. There ends the reading. Let me begin by asking a simple question. Have you heard some extraordinarily exciting news? The word became human and made his home among us. That when Jesus was born, God becomes human. That's the incarnation story. And makes his home among us. And so, therefore, I have an exciting announcement to, to make today. Whoever you are looking from wherever you're watching me, you are not alone. Now, I can almost hear someone ask the question, what's so exciting about the phrase, you are not alone? Well... Here's the deal. Research after research over the last several years have substantiated that not only are we trapped in the grips of COVID-19 pandemic that just will not let us go, but we also find ourselves in an ever so deepening epidemic of loneliness. Can you say loneliness? It's an epidemic globally, worldwide, but especially according to what the social scientists tell us in Western developed countries, loneliness. Now, when I say loneliness, I'm not, I'm not equating loneliness with being alone. I know that those of you who are introverts, introverts watching me today, you can simply say amen to the fact that some of your best times on the planet is with you by yourself, <laughs> times of great joy. <laughs> you go ahead and say amen now, you say amen. <laughs> Loneliness is not necessarily equated with not having people around. Loneliness, ultimately, is the absence of connection. Can you shout connection? Type it in the chat, connection. Connection on three levels, spiritually and emotionally and socially. Here's what uh, the Cigna, healthcare organization, one of the major healthcare organizations here in America, they released a report just a few weeks ago, and here's what they said. Here's what they found. 58% of all American adults now fit the criteria for being lonely. Can you believe that? 58%. Part of that criteria is that when they were asked about loneliness, they either answered, yes, they are often lonely, always lonely, or on some frequent cycle, sometimes lonely. 58%. That means that if there's somebody sitting next to you, statistically speaking, Either you or that person is dealing with loneliness. So I want to just say to you, you are not alone, meaning you're not the only one dealing with loneliness. You're surrounded by those of us who are struggling in this Christmas season with loneliness. I can almost hear one of my favorite old school r and groups, The Emotions, singing that great song. What do the lonely do at Christmas? Do you remember that song? Uh, it, it still plays even now around Christmas season. At one of the verses says this, A silent night, I know it's going to be. Joy to the world, but it's going to be sad for me. What do the lonely do at Christmas? Oh, oh, what do the lonely do at Christmas time? Don't get me singing up in here. <laughs> Somebody shout lonely. <laughs> yeah, who's the lonely? The widow who's missing their deceased loved one, lonely. The person who's trapped in a loveless relationship moving towards Christmas, lonely. The student who just graduated from high school, a star athlete, or a leading academic on a small high school campus, but now they're in the military on a college campus, just blending in among the many, struggling to find relationships, the lonely. That person who moved to the other side of the country because they could buy a house or they they could secure a job and they can now work remotely. But now you're just discovering that you left the nucleus of your relationship and your family and your friends back home. The lonely. What do the lonely do at Christmas? Christmas. Well, I want to suggest that the answer is really wrapped up, not in commercialized Christmas, but it's really wrapped up, come on, in the Christmas that comes to us in the form of one called Jesus who became human and lived among us. So my charge to you is don't hide from Christmas as we're often tempted to do when we're lonely, but let's lean in and take a closer look. And this one Overarching big idea, incredible insight pops out at us when we think about Jesus becoming human and living among us. What's the big idea? Here it is. This incarnation reality reveals the heart of God, which is that God desires to personalize his presence in your life, that God desires to personalize his presence. In my life, this is a remarkable story, isn't it? It's a remarkable insight that the God who became flesh wants to become flesh again in your human experiences. It's remarkable. The God who's defined, who's the definition of love and light and life, who's the source of all creation, wants to personalize his experience, his living, his presence in your life. Can somebody just say, wow, oh my goodness. Now, do you know that Christianity is the only religion where God shows up in Jesus looking for you, looking for me? Yeah, he's looking for you. Now, when I say that God in Jesus is looking for you, I don't mean that he's, he doesn't know where you, he's trying to figure out your location. Come on. Uh, God doesn't need a location app to determine your address. He already knows your address. When I say Jesus is looking for you. God in Jesus is looking for you. What I'm saying is that God wants to connect with you. It's a connection. That is the antidote to loneliness, connection, spiritually, emotionally, socially, connection, shout connection. He wants to connect with you. Well, any of you who have a mobile phone, you know uh, this to be true, that if you don't have a data plan and if you're out in a public space, and you want to connect to the worldwide internet with all of its extraordinary information, you know, you just flip your turn on your Wi-Fi feature and it connects to a public Wi-Fi and all of a sudden, all of the worldwide information all over the globe is now accessible by your device. Downloads. But if that switch is not turned on, you have all of that information, that worldwide internet is all around you, but you're totally Disconnected. That's how it is with some of us. Said, that God's love and God's life, He surrounds us, but we haven't we haven't flipped the switch of our hearts, y'all. And that God is saying to somebody today, I want to I want to connect with you. I want to download my wisdom and my love and my strength and my light and my life into your living. I want to personalize my holy presence in you. Me, yes. You, you mean my my wrecked up, messed up life, yes. Yeah, that's the Christmas story. Hidden in that is the antidote for those of us who are wrestling with loneliness at Christmas. Not a flawless solution, but a faithful empowerment by God himself. Wow. Well, let's look at how this works. Uh, In order to flip the switch of our heart, There are three things that I want to teach you that we have to begin to believe by faith. And we see them as they materialize in the story of Mary. A remarkable lady. Mary, she's probably, you know, the mother of Jesus. She's probably somewhere between 13 and uh, 15 years old. And if you look closely at her life, first glance, you see no evidence of loneliness. But when you look closer, you'll find the characteristics that really define loneliness in all of our lives. Let's see what it looks like. Look at verse 26. Here's what Luke says. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, somebody shout, miracle. That's a miracle happening there. Now We'll come back to that at the end of the story. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee. Can you say Nazareth? All right, this is the first startling thing about The story that Mary, this little girl, is growing up in Nazareth. Nazareth, Nazareth, the village, is, is what some of us would call, some people would call a little ghetto town. High poverty, high crime, high drama. And if you lived outside of Nazareth, it would appear to you to be low value. As a matter of fact, Philip was one of Jesus' first disciples. And when he discovered Jesus he went back to tell his brother Nathaniel, I have found the one that Moses, verse John chapter 1, verse 46, the one that Moses was writing about, the Messiah. He is Jesus of Nazareth. And Nathaniel said, Nazareth, can anything good come from Nazareth? This is the place where Mary is growing up. She's growing up in a place where nobody outside of Nazareth thought anything good could come from it. It is a rough place. Tough, come on. Tough place. Low value in the minds of people. And then think about the fact that Mary is a is a female. She's she's in a sense destined to be somebody's property or somebody's toy for display at the low rung of social society. And then notice the absence of Mary's lineage. Now Luke is very strategic when he talks about, thinks about, writes about lineage inside of the Christmas story because Luke specializes more than any you know, of the gospel writers in empowering, showing how the presence of God's power and presence is in the lives of women and the marginalized and minorities. You'll find it in the gospel of Luke, and he also wrote Acts, and you'll find those themes again and again and again. So when, when, when all we learn about Mary is that she's a virgin and there's nothing else, no other lineage, Luke is saying something about her mental disposition, about her circumstance in Luke. Now, let me prove it to you. Elsewhere, when he talks about men, he talks about women. And, he, and, and Luke is unique in sharing both sides of the lineage. Watch this. Uh, in, in, in verse 5, you know, Luke opens up talking about Zechariah and Elizabeth, righteous people. They, they uh, serve God faithfully. They, they, they're praying for a miracle for a child now. They're old in age. They've given up. And then the miracle comes. But here's how they're described in verse 5. There was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of, here's his lineage, priestly order of Abijah. But then he goes on to talk about his wife. And his wife, Elizabeth, was also, here's her lineage, come on, she's even more prominent. She's from the priestly line of Aaron. Aaron is the founder of the priest, Moses' brother. Wow. Then move forward and you'll find how he deals with Anna, who's a, is an elderly lady in the temple. And when Jesus is brought uh, to be uh, uh, dedicated in the temple, she confirms that this is the Messiah child. But listen to how he describes Anna. He says, "Anna. First of all, you might want to circle this. A prophet, in case you didn't know, Luke wants you to know that there were women prophet, just like men prophet in Scripture. That's powerful right there. Was also there in the temple, and she was the daughter of Phanuel, the face of God. That's what that word means. From the tribe." of Asher, her sense of her lineage from one of the original tribes of Israel, her significance. But when it comes to Luke chapter 1, verse 26, when it talks about how how God sends the angel Gabriel, the only description for Mary, no lineage, no history, simply a virgin named Mary. If you keep reading, he describes her husband, unlike in the previous verse about Zechariah and Elizabeth. Listen to what he says. She was engaged to marry a man named Joseph. Here's a lineage. A descendant of King David. Royalty running in his blood. But quiet about Mary. You know, what is Luke saying? Luke was saying, well, this young lady uh, had reason to see and feel all of the characteristics of loneliness. That this young lady... Was if you would ask her, she probably felt invisible, insignificant, and disconnected. But you could say, well, she was engaged. Yes, she was engaged. But you know what it's like to be engaged to someone who's disengaged from you, from your story. The deepest connection we can have in our lives is to understand that we each have stories that have three components. One is our pursuits and our passions, and another is our pains and our woundedness, and another is our persistent questions. And and we we want people in our lives that we can celebrate the joys of pursuits and passions and that we can find safety in talking about our pains and our wounds and and express our questions. Even if they don't have answers, that's connection. But each of us know of people who we've relied on, but they're just too busy to connect to our daily story. They're pursuing the next level in education. They're moving to the next level on their job or their promotion. They're just too busy to connect. You might describe Mary's situation by this one word. uh, Unnoticed. Unnoticed you know makes me think of one of my favorite movies what women think and it's a fabulous movie mel gibson and helen hunt and came out in 2000 the christmas movie and mel gibson is uh this chauvinistic uh senior advertising exec helen hunt has the job that he wants but over the course of the movie a couple of things happen first of all he has an accident ends up with this remarkable gift which is to hear what women think Secondly, he falls in love with his nemesis, Helen Hunt, who has the job that he wants. And thirdly, he is transformed because because he can hear what women think. He begins to realize how often they are misused and mishandled, and they feel invisible and insignificant and disconnected, even if they're willing. He begins to transform it the heart of the story there's a young woman in the story who uh who who, who is really suicidal she feels overlooked uh, on one occasion she says you know if i don't show up to work no one will notice so at the end of the story, she doesn't show up to work. She's about to kill herself. Mel Gibson discovers, realizes, has a revelation, races to this horrible part of town where this woman lives, knocks on the door. Uh, she, 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 she lives in this kind of one-room house. She opens the door, and there is this, this, this senior exec at her room. She says, oh, my God, what are you doing here? And, 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 she, and she, he says, can I come in? And she welcomes him in. She, he says, she says, what are you doing here? He says... Uh, I've got a job for you. She says, a she said. I don't even think you noticed. And he said, I noticed. Oh, I love that story. I love that story because I, I, I really see God showing up in Jesus. Come on now. Showing up in Nazareth, knocking on Mary's door and says, Mary, I think that you, 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 you feel unnoticed. But, but the God of the universe who wants to personalize his presence in your living wants you to know he's noticed you. Listen to what Mary says in Luke chapter 1, verse 46, just to underscore this point. We call it a grand, magnificent. Mary's response as she's talking to Elizabeth about what happened to her. Here's what she says Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, for he took, there it is, notice. Of his lowly servant girl, you know, you know you know she was already probably religious, she was engaged in religious activity without a personal relationship because she did not know that the God of the universe wanted to personalize his presence in her life. come on now, and that before she was in her mother's womb she was already in his will. and God is saying to you what he said to Mary, I've noticed. It's the first thing he says I've noticed you it's the first thing that I challenge you to believe if you're struggling with loneliness that the God of the universe and Jesus says I've noticed you wow and then the second thing I want to challenge you to believe by faith is you work through your loneliness at Christmas Luke verse 28 it says so Grable appeared to her Mary and said listen greetings favorite woman The Lord is with you. The second thing that God wants you to hear him say through me to you today as you struggle with loneliness, whatever your circumstances, God says, I'm with you. Notice this is before Mary conceives. This is before uh, there's any miraculous thing happening in her. And what, what, the, what the word to Mary was uh, uh, that he's always been with you. You just had the switch turned off. Come on. You weren't aware of how he was present in the shadows of your life. I reminded my daughter when she was about 10, 11, 12, 13 years old. And I, after finished preaching on a Sunday morning, I'd be outside greeting the people. Somewhere midway, I feel these arms coming around my waist from behind. I didn't even look back. I knew what was going on. I knew who it was, (laughs) y'all. I just kept greeting, kept talking to people, just kept praying with folk. And Lauren was, it was Lauren, my daughter, y'all. And she was saying, basically, I don't need to disrupt or interrupt. You don't even need to mention me. I just want you to know I'm with you. (laughs) <laughs> some of you may have felt like you've been alone. Some of you may not feel like God is present with you. But when you look back over the ups and downs of your life, and when you ask yourself, how did I make it over and through and around? Come on, the words of the psalmist, if it had not been for the Lord, come on, with his arms around me, where would I be? Oh, he's with you. As you struggle with cancer, he's with you. Come on, as you deal with the levels and stages of aging he's with you as you try to figure out what's your next move without your job he's with you he's with you you don't have to do anything to qualify for him being with you if you're on the planet come on now he's with you and then listen listen to verse 30 Hmm. here's what the here's what he says don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told him, You found favor with God. A miracle's going to happen. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. The first thing that I want you to believe by faith is God says, I notice you. The second thing God is saying to you, I'm with you. The third thing God is saying to you, I desire a deeper Connection with you or to you. I I, I want a deeper connection. Wow. Now, Mary's response was, I've not had any sexual involvement with anybody. How, How in the world am I going to be able to conceive? Watch this. Here's what the writer says. Here's what the angel says. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Everybody say overshadow. Right there in that word is, is that word speaks of God making his, of God personalizing his presence in life. We first get a, a notion of the word overshadow in Genesis 1 when it talks about, and God hovered over the darkness. His, watch the text, it actually says, and his presence hovered over the darkness it was engaged in the activity and then suddenly out of the experience there is a voice let there be light and and the unimaginable explodes God wants to personalize his presence in your life that the unimaginable might might, oh y'all they listen might explode let there be light wow now God personalizing his presence, overshadowing it, happens in a variety of ways. It's different in different people's lives. Let me just give you a couple examples. Around Christmas season, I was praying for a week. Lord, are you calling me to preach? Confirm it, clarify it. Some of you have heard this story more than once. I got in a car, stopped in a little town called Amstead, went to get some gas. As I walked out, a fellow was walking behind me. I got to my car, turned around a, a bit anxious. He said, sir, I don't, mean to, I don't want to cause you any harm, etc., etc. Turns out he was with a traveling ministry group passing through Louisiana. And he said, all I want you to know is that when you walked out, God told me, spoke to me and told me to tell you, he's calling you to preach his word. And then they, his friends came and they prayed with me. And I got in my car and I started to go to Cushado to pick up some clothes so I could go on down and see my dad. And I got to the bridge and there was a traffic jam and the bridge was narrow and you couldn't get through. And then... And, 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 and it was as though as I waited, the Spirit of God started to fill the car. And I could feel it moving up, up all the way up, my chest all the way up till I was immersed in the Spirit of God. Can somebody say overshadow? Immersed in the Spirit of God. Can you say God personalized his presence right there in the car? I had to get out of the car and started celebrating y'all and shouting. They said, what's wrong with that crazy person? Come on now. God had personalized his He wants to do that for you but it looks different in different people's lives. I had a young woman back in Boston, walk up to me, came visit me in my office. She says, listen, you know, my life is, is not consistent with the church says you know, it needs to be with, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. She says, but all I know is that when I show up in the church and and I hear the worship and I hear the preaching, that tears begin to flow. And I, I, I don't understand it. And I explained to her that that was God personalizing his presence in her life. And in personalizing his presence, he was saying, you are mine. Come on now. I've got a purpose and a job for you. I've got a place for you in my heart. Well, oh, what does personalizing God's presence look like in your life? Let me give you another example. One fellow told me that as he reads Scripture from time to time, every now and then he gets to a passage, and it's as though the words leap off the page. They jump all over him. it, as though God is just interpreting his life situation. That's God personalizing his experience in your life. If you listen to me and it sounds like I'm up in your house, if it sounds like I'm telling your business, come on. Come on now. If if it sounds like I'm reading your mail, come on. Uh, This is a medium through which God is personalizing his presence in your life. He's showing up. He's showing up. All right. So there's three things you've got to believe by faith. God says, I've noticed you. I'm with you. And I want to go deeper in connection with you. I need you to shift the button, y'all. Come on now. The button of your heart. Well, in order to do that, there's three things you've got to do. All right. All right. Listen to this. Listen, listen. Uh, uh, after the Holy Spirit says, I'm going to overshadow you. Here's the first thing you've got to do. You've got to be present in God's presence. You've got to discipline yourself to be present. I like that word present. It's at Christmas time. It, thinks of, it suggests also bring yourself into God's presence as a gift. And, 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 and I want to challenge you to set aside some devotional time as a discipline every day, 20 minutes a day. Come on. And, and, and you remember I, I talked to you about uh, walking through your life with other people. Start walking through your life with God. You better know that after Mary discovered that she was going to conceive and bring the Savior of the world and all of the scandal that was going to you better know that she spent some time, I bet you, every day talking to the, 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 to the Creator, come on now, who has now revealed, come on, that I, I, that I know you personally. You better know that she spent some time talking about how joyful and excited she was. But you better know she spent some time asking some questions. What do I tell Joseph? What are the people going to tell? Now how are you going to get me through this situation? Some devotional time every day positions you to be in the presence of His presence. Yeah. Why don't you say, I'm going to do that from now to the end of the year? Right. Look at Luke verse 38. Look at it. Her response is this, "I am the Lord's servant." May everything you've said about me come true. The only reason you would position yourself in daily devotion 20 minutes a day is because you've declared that your ultimate commitment is to be God's servant. One person talks about it this way, opening the window of of one's soul uh, that they might serve God. So the first thing you gotta do is discipline yourself to be present in God's presence. Wow. And over time you'll discover that he will begin to overshadow you. Mm. Personalize his presence and you'll know it. The second thing you have to do, uh, second thing you have to do is be in God's presence with others. Elizabeth, Mary was told by the angel, said, Listen. I know this is a lot of big news, but here's what I want you to do. Get on your dunk and go 11 miles and go visit your cousin, Elizabeth. You're going to discover you know she's up in age, beyond childbearing age. But when you get to her house, you're going to discover that a miracle is already in process. She's already six months pregnant. And so when Mary gets to Elizabeth's house, here's what the text says, y'all. It says when she walks in the door, y'all, at the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child, that's John the Baptist, leaps within her. And Elizabeth is on in the moment filled with the Holy Spirit. And y'all worship breaks out at that time between Mary and her cousin Elizabeth, celebrating what God was doing in each of their lives. Look at the next verse. It says, and Elizabeth gave a, a glad cry, a big shout. She screamed to the top of her voice and exclaimed, Mary, God has blessed you above all women and your child is also blessed. You know what that's a picture of? It is a reminder why we've got to show up regularly in worship with one another in San Jose or at Redwood City, right? Because the scripture says where two or three gather together, there God's presence is in the midst. We've got to experience that in a powerful way. We're uniquely experiencing it with one another. If you're watching me online, it's awesome if you're watching by yourself, but it will be even more powerful if you invited a friend or a neighbor of some of your family members to sit down and watch. Then you could talk about the songs and the message and share the goodness of God one with another. And before you know it, the power of God will have overshadowed you. He will make His Presence personal in your life. Wow. And then here's the last point. We're already go home here. Yeah, I hope you get it right. There's three things you got you to believe that God has noticed you, that God is with you, that God wants to connect with you. Flip the button. How do I flip the button? I've got to discipline myself. Discipline myself. Regular devotion. So that I can be present in his presence. I've got to, I've got to discipline myself for, to show up in regular corporate worship with other friends. Come on now. So that I can be pre- in his presence with others. Oh, and by the way, there's one more thing that I want to just note before I leave that point. You know, one of my favorite songs is a theme song from Cheers. And I don't know where you've heard it before, but I love it. it. It captures who we try to be here at NBCC. And I, I'm really, I'm encouraging you to lean in deeper Listen to this because it's the only church I can vouch for. Listen to what they sing. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see that our troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. Now, the church is too big if you're at one of our campuses uh, for everybody to know your name. So we have what we call small groups. And so we want you to lean into corporate worship on a regular basis, not every now and then, but regularly. Uh, that you might discover him overshadowing your life it's corporately. But then I challenge you to lean in and join a small group. If you're going through grief, we've got a group for you. If you're going through divorce, we've got a group for you. A small group of believers. Come on now, here at MBCC, where when you show up online, we got small groups online, we got small groups in person, that when you show up, everybody knows your name Always glad you came don 't you long for that that when you show up in small group you 'll find that this is where we all see that our troubles are all the same. Now, let me hasten to say if you 're looking for a perfect church, a perfect community, just keep on passing bcc we 're not that church. the pastor is not perfect i 'm not perfect. come on now, the elders are not perfect. The folk who sit in the pews are not perfect but we but but if you 're looking for a church where people have declared what Mary has declared. Lord, I am your servant. Whatever you want to do through my life, come on, just show up. We are your church, either online or in person. Now, let me finish this, y'all. Come on now. Uh, three things you've got to do. Discipline yourself to be, in the, to be present in his presence. Number two, discipline yourself to be present, uh, to be in his presence with others. And number three, be God's presence. Two others. Wow. Notice how the story ends. Luke chapter 1 verse 56. Watch the text. It says, Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months. Now notice when she got there, Elizabeth was six months pregnant. So if she stayed three months, that means she stayed till the child birthing experience was over. She helped Elizabeth deliver her child. And you know, back in that day, a lot of times, a lot of kids were lost in child. It was a difficult, difficult thing to bring children into the world. But she made herself available. She was was God's presence to her friend, Elizabeth. Oh, you don't have to be in church to do this one, right? You don't have to be in an NBC small group to do this. No, no. You can do this at home. You can do this on your job. Come on now. You can do this as you pass along. That wherever you see needs, that you can pour gifts, that you can be a blessing, including, check it out, serving with us here at Christmas as we try to serve people who are coming through the doors and coming online. That wherever you can be a blessing, I challenge you. Come on now. You can be God's presence others oh go ahead and do it and you'll discover that God has a remarkable ability to turn the lonely into the blessed amen amen and amen Lord have your way turn the lonely into the blessed